This episode of the Trek Geeks Podcast is brought to you by Audible.com. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks, and you'll find over 150,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or any MP3 player. Hey there, this is Vic Mignogna, Captain James T. Kirk from Star Trek Continues, and you're listening to the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks Podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. This is the Trek Geeks Podcast. Welcome, one and all. This is episode 18. And like all of you, we're still amazed that we're at episode 18. It's at this point, um, I'd like to introduce myself. My name is Bill Smith. I'm your co-host. And joining me, as he does every single episode, a man who is a cowboy and a construction worker short of being the village people, he is, of course, the macho macho Dan Davidson. Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. Every week I look forward to these things, man. Thank you for that wonderful introduction. Uh, true to form, you just always surprise me and, and have such, air quote, wonderful things to say. <laughs> I thought that was very flattering. It was flattering, though. I even have my tight cop shorts on today. <laughs> They say it's, it's very warm. <laughs> yes, it is. They say it takes a village, and Dan, you're you're so close. I'm, I will get there. I'll get there with your help. <laughs> well, then you're you're really screwed now. So, uh, as we mentioned, this is episode 18. Originally, um, we were going to bring you a different episode today, and we've had a slight change in the schedule. Um, Dan, you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. Um, <clears throat> As everyone knows, and as listeners listeners of the podcast know, that we had a uh, review of the White Iris last episode. Um, it's been a hot topic. Uh, the success of the episode and the the things that we've been getting from listeners has been has been tremendous. So we figured we wanted to keep that White Iris ball rolling, and we were lucky enough to be able to book a special guest uh, for this episode so that we could talk some more White Iris. So um, we apologize for those looking forward to our interview with Alec Peters from Axonar. That will be coming up next week. Um, the interview will be heard in its entirety. Um, but for this week, we are going to have a special guest. We're going to bring doc- Dr. Chuck Huber, <laughs> Dr. <laughs> Leonard McCoy himself, Chuck Huber, uh, on to discuss the White Iris as well as things that are going on uh, in his career. That's exactly right. Um, we had a great time sitting down and talking to Chuck the other day and it's an episode we hope you enjoy again we will bring you alec peters next week but for now please enjoy episode 18 with mr chuck huber
folks, today's guest is an accomplished voice actor, uh, voiceover actor, I should say, with quite an impressive list of anime and video game credits to his resume. Additionally, and more importantly for our discussion today, he is the gentleman who portrays Dr. Leonard McCoy on Star Trek Continues. He recently wrapped up his visit to the Phoenix Comic Con with the rest of the Star Trek Continues cast, and he's kind enough to join us today to talk about the events of the convention, Star Trek Continues, and the newest episode, The White Iris. It's both an honor and a privilege to welcome Chuck Hubert to the Trek Geeks podcast. And Chuck, thanks so much for stopping by. Hey, thanks for having me here. I uh, couldn't be more honored to be on your little podcast, the biggest little show ever or whatever. You know. <laughs> that's good enough for us, man. We like all it. All right. I got <laughs> it's, it's big to us, and that's all that matters. <laughs> hey, anything Trek is big because it covers the whole uh, galaxy, for sure. That's true. We, we never are at a loss of things to talk about, that's for sure. I wonder, I always wonder if alien races are watching the Earth, if they watch Trek and they're like, yeah, that's about as close as they're going to get. Or if they watch <laughs> Trek and they're like, no, wrong, wrong, no. wrong. You know, like I picture the whole Earth as a giant reality show sometimes uh, for alien races to watch. Like, and, and so, so I, want, I, I can't wait to, you know, level up to the next level and see what, uh, what the other alien races think of Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> that's a, that's hilarious. I never thought about it like that before, but now I'm thinking which reality show would it be like? And I hope it's more Top Chef than it is uh, Survivor. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you know, Chuck, one of the things I found fascinating about the, the cast of Star Trek Continues is that many of you have very successful voiceover careers and, and, you know, and being voice actors. You know, there's Vic, there's Todd, there's yourself, and you've got an impressive resume of work. Is that one of the Thank things you. that brought you guys together? Um, did you well, work, all to work together in the past, or is it coincidence? Yeah, no. I mean, that is uh, it, this this the whole Star Trek Continues thing starts out of the brain of Vic Mignogna, our executive producer, and our captain, our Kirk. Um, I mean, there are videos online of him as an eight-year-old uh, Kirk dressed up with cardboard sets. He used to go to sleep with the audio tapes of the television episodes under his pillow. So this is his dream come true. And he always said, and he says it every time we get together, he says, I always wanted to do this with friends. I didn't want this to be something that was just a production. To me, I wanted to have fun every time we did it. And so he brought in his friends to work on it, which I am lucky enough to be counted among his friends. And Todd is another one of his friends. And uh, the rest of the cast followed from there. I mean, so the, the anime uh, it, the anime voiceover stuff that we do, that's where we initially met. And uh, we all had a love of Star Trek. So that is what drew us further. That's interesting. Um, I've, I've started to become more and more familiar with um, anime as a result of talking to people like Vic and, and Todd and now yourself. So that's kind of cool that it all kind of kind of came together to make such an incredible show that is Star Trek Continues. Yeah, um, and you know what? The, the interesting thing or, or one thing that um, uh, I find very heartwarming or, or I, I take a lot of note of at the anime conventions is that there are a lot of um, – quite often it's a dad – and a 13-year-old daughter, and the dad has no idea what's happening in the anime world, and the 13-year-old daughter is geeking out over whatever Dr. Stein or Android 17 or Hiei, but I've got, I've got, you know, Dr. McCoy in Star Trek, and suddenly he feels like he can talk to somebody. Like, suddenly he's like, oh, I understand this. Tell me about your show. 
and then I tell them, and, and uh, or the other thing that happens is you'll have 13-year-old girls or 14-year-old girls come up to the table by themselves, and they have no idea about Star Trek, but they want a, a Star Trek print to bring home to their dad or their grandpa, because they are big fans of Star Trek. And so it's like this, there's this really neat bridge that's happening uh, between the sort of older Star Trek fans and the younger anime fans like it's it's allowing the dads and daughters to have something to talk about <laughs> it's uh you could not have hit the nail harder on the head i have a teenage daughter and you just d- said the exact thing that i go through she loves the anime stuff we had todd on and and i sent I, I let her listen to one of the bumpers that he did for us and her eyes just bugged out of her head because she right. immediately knew who it was <laughs> right right yeah 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 so it yeah it's kind of a fun little blending of you know, genres uh, of uh, fandoms that uh, is, uh, I like to think that Star Trek continues as bringing fathers and daughters closer together. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Speaking of uh, bringing people closer and, and having a lot of emotion, uh, congratulations on the release of, of episode four, The White Iris, Chuck. Uh, Thank you. you recently returned from what appeared to be an incredibly successful premiere of The White Iris at the Phoenix Comic Con. And uh, now that the cat's out of the bag, it's going to be a relief to be able to actually talk about it freely. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It was, uh, you know, it's it's an incredible experience to be on the set. And I am not as Star Trek savvy as everybody else. I am a fan. I watch the show on Sundays in reruns. I watch The Next Generation. I watch Deep Space. Like, you kind of go through, it's, it's kind of like a drug. And as you run out of drug, you, you know, suddenly you're like mainlining Deep Space Nine just because you want some track <laughs> or whatever, you know. So, you know, like you run out of it and then you start peeling into the universe in different ways. But so it, it's kind of amazing to be on a set with people who argue over the shape of the octagons on the paneling on uh, in the you know and like they're sure they know what's right and then you know great google tells us the truth and someone gets to be the victor um you know so these this encyclopedic knowledge that a lot of the the cast and crew have for star trek is amazing and consequently i get to be really lazy then and let them have all the brains on the star trek and i just get to sort of study the character of dr mccoy That's a that's a pretty sweet gig, I gotta say. I, oh, it's amazing! Like the first time we were on set, for uh, we were filming the vignettes, and the very first time all of us walked out on the bridge for a take. Like everybody came out and took their positions on the bridge, and then you know they called cut. Like everybody went <laughs> like out, like we're on the bridge because we hadn't been on the bridge yet. So. It was just this amazing moment that everybody, you know, sort of harkens back to when we when we talk about those first days filming. Because when we first started filming, um, you know, it was Vic's really weird idea. That's all it was. It was like, uh, you know, okay, you know, it was kind of like grudgingly, like I will do this because I love you, Vic, and it looks cool. And uh, we had no idea it would become a worldwide phenomenon where I'm, you know, at an anime convention in Dublin and I'm getting people, oh, they're coming up to me, oh, your Dr. McCoy on Star Trek continues is fabulous. And you're like, I'm in Ireland. And so it's kind of amazing. Well, speaking of phenomenon, you've got to tell us what that initial reaction was like after the screening of the White Iris in Phoenix. Um, So the lights come up 
And I'm sure everybody is just stunned and amazed. And what was the room like at that point? Well, it's packed. And, you know, there was, I don't know the numbers, but it was the biggest ballroom they had. And it was filled almost to capacity. And, you know, everyone cheers and they're very excited. And then you get up and do the Q&A. And uh, then afterwards we signed, uh, we had all these White Iris uh, episode posters. And, you know, we signed autographs for maybe three, three and a half hours afterwards. And this wow. wasn't like normally when we were at the autograph table, you are taking time and focusing on each person for a minute or two or three minutes, depending on what's going on. This was literally just like, thank you for coming out. Thank you. And just passing people down the line. So there were, I mean, there must've been, you know, 500, 600 people who stayed after to wait in line for another hour and a half or two hours just to get, uh, you know, the entire cast signature. Because once you get accepted into the Star Trek universe, I kind of liken it to the mafia. <laughs> you know, there is no getting out of this. Like, you are, no. like, the only way out is death. <laughs> the, the fandom has said, you are Dr. McCoy. There is no way getting out of it. You know, this is forever. And, uh, you know, it's it's the... I never thought when Vic asked me to do it that it would be the biggest... Uh, crest of my career to date which it absolutely has been that's that's awesome and we love the yeah. we love what you're doing with the character um oh thank you before we actually get to the episode of the white iris um bill and i wanted to let you know that we really wanted to be out there but we're on the east coast so it was a little difficult um a few weeks ago we had the opportunity to have vic on the show had a great time with him and he said that in addition to the premiere itself he was going to give the folks at the convention a big surprise which right. apparently turned out to be the episode five trailer um, right can you tell us anything about that or is it still secret for only the people that were in phoenix well, I was not told that I shouldn't say anything, so I can get in trouble later. I won't. I won't spoil because everybody who was there could talk about it. So you know, there's no way of hiding that secret. True. Um, so the the I'll give you the I'll sort of tell you the trailer because um, he basically it, it's not even a trailer. It's like the first uh, minute and a half of the episode. Oh, okay. And they're on the bridge, and. Uh, they uh, the the computer the the ship's computer gets infected with something and and it's going crazy and things are going bad and Doctor McCoy comes in and he's like uh, Jim you missed you missed your appointment and you know you were supposed to be down there for your physical which is just a device to get uh, Kirk and I together on the bridge and we're in front of a screen and we're talking about what the the sort of you know nanobots or or whatever alien whatever is in the computer like downloading all the ships uh information and then there's a giant explosion and the smoke fills the screen and uh when the smoke starts to clear you get Kirk leans up into frame and then McCoy leans up into frame behind him and you're hearing gunfire and the first thing you'll notice is that they're both in civil war uniforms and there's an entire civil war battle going on around them and that's where it cuts so what? you know that the, the, the giant explosion and then we're we're off the ship and it's the civil war okay i mind is blown <laughs> My mind is blown already. This is awesome. Oh yeah, I got to yeah, drink yeah. on that it, one. It, 
It is, it is an amazing episode. And, and what we got today, and I, I think that's about, I, I probably shouldn't say anything else other than what was actually in the, the little portion that was shown. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that, that is basically what it is. All right, so we, we wanted Genius. to dig in a little deeper on the white iris. So while Kirk is having this problem, McCoy says he's reached the end of his medical expertise. And this element of helplessness is kind of new for Bones, at least to this degree with treating humans, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And also in, in the white iris, we're, we're, we're not sure if we're dealing, well, what, what Dr. McCoy is not sure is whether he's dealing with uh, a medical issue or a psychological issue or a psychiatric issue. It, it, it could be all three combined. And it sort of le- part of the thing I really like and a lot of the fans really liked is how it bolstered Dr. McKenna's Yep. Um, role as ship's counselor because that, it was sort of McCoy releasing uh, the idea of his control and sort of turning it over to McKenna, and uh, she ends up being instrumental in, in helping figure out the solution. I don't want to give things away in case people haven't. Sure, seen sure. It. No spoilers. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, <clears throat> we got to see some really great interaction uh, between McCoy and Kirk. Uh, in that we really got to see that friendship and trust that has always been with them. Um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, we get to see some some real tension, especially when Kirk – we like to say that when Kirk gets a little uh, a little um, unsure of himself, he gets pissy. Um, and so we saw some right. of that tension with you guys. Um, which of those scenes stood out to you as the most challenging uh, for, for doing? Um. Well, when you say challenging uh, to an actor like myself or like Vic, challenging means also favorite ah, um, okay. because we like we like the scenes that are more challenging. We like the scenes that are, um, you know, give us a little bit more range to dig into. And, and the scene, there's a scene where I come to him in his quarters and, uh, you know, bring him a, a little bit of brandy to drink. Um, and scan them, and, and we sort of get into conflict over, uh, you know, what the right course of action is, mm-hmm. and and um, it, it, Kirk ends up having more symptoms at the uh, towards the end of that scene. That that scene was the most fun. It was it was probably the the heaviest acting scene for us, but it was also fun because we're we're seeing Kirk in a, um, you know, a a more of a broken or humble or, uh, uh, you know, his position is, is sudden and, and it makes it awkward for the crew around him to see him in this sort of broken state because they're used to him being the one in charge and taking control. And suddenly he's the one out of control. And this episode does feature, mm, this is too much of, maybe it's not too much of a spoiler. People have already seen it. Um, he, he relinquishes command at one point because of what he's going through, which is a first for the Star Trek universe. And um, to, to, that was the sort of, uh, I'm always talking to Vic about like uh, the idea that we've created this museum piece which is so faithful to to the original, but then we get to sort of night at the museum and live inside the museum and show uh, things that have never happened to these characters before. So getting to see that sort of relationship between Dr. McCoy and Captain Kirk, where McCoy is, um, I don't want to say embarrassed of what's happening to Kirk, but, you know, really... uh, dispirited by it because you're used to your captain being the one in charge and suddenly 
you know, they're having to second guess him and question him in ways that they haven't had to before. Right, right. Speaking of that scene, uh, Chuck, the one in Kirk's quarters, um, <clears throat> uh, th that was extremely reminiscent of the scene from The Cage, the first episode in Star Trek, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. Piper poured Pike a martini and had to listen to the heartbreak of what it meant to be in command and, and be the one who decides between life and death. Right, uh, right. I have a feeling the answer is yes, but did Vic and the team, the writers and everyone do that intentionally as a tribute to the episode, The Cage? Um, I don't know if they did it intentionally as a tribute to that, but one of the things that happens all the time in the process of developing these stories is that we want to always remain morally and philosophically true to the universe that was created in that original series. And so I'm sure the writers knew what they were writing uh, as a reflection of that scene. I don't know if it was an homage, so, so much an homage as it was a, uh, a tool to be utilized, because that's the, that's, the, that's the trouble of command. And then they sort of were just expounding on that, that difficulty of command a little further. Yeah. You know, Chuck, this episode seems like it starts a bit of a bridge between McCoy in the original series and where we see his character much later in the movies. Um, you know, right. at the beginning, he's the, the old country doctor, and later on, he's the he's more the, the trusted consigliere who has a right. more than healthy skepticism. Is that a conscious choice in building the character at this point, or is that just sort of happening germanely? Uh, it, uh, it's... it's uh... I often tell people that what I get to do in this character is so simple because it's like a puzzle piece and all the other actors and all the other and the writing and the sets all sort of fit together in a certain way. And, and Vic is driving it towards that new reality that the movies created. So we're having to, to reach that way. As far as, my consideration of it, I just get to play the scenes as an actor. I have a really sort of, uh, 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 you know, gifted position in that. But I am certain that they are, I, I'm certain they're driving um, McCoy in that direction. I mean, I'm begging constantly for a beard. I'm saying, when are we going to beard this guy? <laughs> Let's just go for the beard right now because I hate shaving. Like, I'm normally a bearded guy, so I always get on set and the first thing I have to do is shave. I'm, and Vic's like, no, I think he shaved. I think he grew the beard. He, did, he would never grow the beard because there was never, you know, Jonathan Frakes had a beard, but that was, that's next gen. Like, there were never beards on Star Trek. And I was like, oh, so he had the beard off. No, we don't have the beard on the ship. I'm like, but we introduced the ship's counselor. Can't we introduce the beard on Star Trek? So uh, I'm still pushing for the beard to be introduced before the last episodes. I really want. Uh, I, I think. Uh, I think a bearded McCoy would be a sexy McCoy. I think if you're gonna. <laughs> I think if you're gonna push for the beard, you got to push for that awesome leisure suit he shows up at the beginning of TMP. Oh God! That thing is just oh. the the chicks will flock to him at that point. You know what? Um, Speaking as uh, my my fiance Jessica is an artist and she goes to the comic cons with me and we have a thing that we do on Sundays at the comic cons is it's called onesie Sunday which is basically a leisure suit in the shape of an animal uh, we wear these kigurumis so like I have a penguin one and she's oh, yeah, got yeah. a little Hello Kitty one or whatever so I uh, I would be very much in favor of the leisure suit because they are incredibly comfortable because <laughs> you I mean in all honesty you don't have to wear underwear you can, you can, you know, and that's what it's about. Just let it, 
Let it fly. Wow. Just let yourself flow. This conversation, Chuck, actually is a perfect segue into my next question. Um, <laughs> and um, it's the gag reels that we are able to watch on the website. Um, mm-hmm. Episode three and episode four gag reels have become instant classics in my mind. Um, and you seem particularly – you know how to keep everyone laughing and very loose on the set. Uh, I love the one from episode three where you're, you're giving everybody the hypo spray and, you get, and then you're playing the hypo spray like a flute. I, it's just a riot. But um, – I guess my question is, are there any outtakes that we have not seen in those gag reels uh, uh, because maybe they were a little bit too much for the gag reel? <laughs> uh, that, is, that is for certain that there, are, there is probably uh, several terabytes of hard drive space <laughs> waste, wasted that can't be shown ever because of the way I like to comedy on set. And I've toned it down. Like... Uh, 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 I, I think comedy, <laughs> I do like to cut up. I like to keep everybody loose. I do like to, uh, you know, I, I, <laughs> I have a potty mouth sometimes, so they're not going to show any of the potty mouth stuff. I think humor is uh, best served over the line of whatever anybody thinks should be the absolute limit of the line. I love um, Louis C.K., I love oh, yeah. Eddie Murphy, I love, uh, you know, all the sort of comedians who broke boundaries and broke barriers, because uh, life is so tragic sometimes, and if you can't find ways to laugh at, like, the tragedy of it, then you're you're going to lose your mind. So, yeah, uh, there is plenty, uh, there, <laughs> there are plenty of things on that, that gag reel that will never make the light of day. Uh, <laughs> For a while, I, like when we first filmed the vignettes, I made everybody refer to me as the Bones. <laughs> and, uh, so I would refer to myself as the Bones when I came on set. I would say, the Bones is on set. The Bones needs some water. Uh, the Bones is hungry. We need a break. Uh, so, yeah, it, it, it tends to be a little bit uh, kooky. And you know what's the funny thing is now I've toned down so much and other people have ramped up that they're suddenly throwing out the the scatological comedy when, and I'm like, hey, that wasn't me. I didn't start that line of comedy. That, that was Todd. Todd did that. His impersonation uh, of Kirk slash Vic in the last gag reel was, was an instant, oh my God moment. Oh, it's genius. I, I think my favorite, and I'm not sure which gag reel it made it onto, but um, uh, uh, Todd had the, the, you know, the I'm evil goatee, which had to be applied with, uh, uh, you know, glue yep. or whatever, but he couldn't smile or laugh, laugh yeah. pop off. So my favorite thing was everybody would try to make him laugh and he would have to laugh this really weird laugh cause he'd have to keep his mouth still. So he was like, <laughs> and he'd run out of the room and you'd try to make him laugh to pop his his goatee off his face. That's one of the things that everyone that we've had on the show so far, and we've had several uh, cast members on, has said is that the the working together just seems to be so fun. Uh, um, and it's it's not even work. It's You guys are just having a great time doing it, and then when the camera has to do the scene, you do your scene, and then it's all fun and, and having a good time again. Yeah, and you know, that part of that comes from having a bunch of professionals on set, and anybody who wasn't a professional before now is a professional by now because the set is run so professionally that you, you, uh, the way to, the way to keep that creative energy going, because it is brutal filming, 
is hard. Like people think it's glamorous. It's really about do I have time to pee? Or God forbid I have to drop a deuce somewhere because you're going to stop filming. Like, like it's all about bodily function and eating and the ability to stand for long periods of time. Because you'll shoot for 12 hours straight and it's cold and you can't, you know, yeah. you, you got to keep yourself covered with a blanket. And so the, all the hardships of shooting, um, uh, the, the sort of professional sort of uh, strength you have to bring to it. Um, end up leading to this sort of like really fun uh, yin to that yang so that you're you're balancing the really, really hard professional work that everybody is doing on set with absolute joy and, and complete recognition that what we are doing is not something anybody ever thought we would get to do or get to do at this level or get to do at this level on a stage that is worldwide. So we're constantly pinching and pinching ourselves and giggling at what we get to do. And anytime it gets like actually tense, somebody will make a fart joke and then it's all gone. And we're like, yeah, we we're still dressed up in, in Star Trek uniforms and we're, you know, we're on we're on the Enterprise. So there's there's no real tension that ever happens. One more thing in regards to the uh, to the gag reels and having fun on set is one of the things one of the reasons that I like seeing that so much is we didn't get to see that with TOS. I mean, we have there's a couple gag reels out there, but you know they're very grainy and quick, and there's not a lot to them. These give us an idea of what it's like behind the scenes, which I think is really special, especially for the people that are such fans of the show, like Bill and I. Yeah, and absolutely, and you know, there's there's different, um, you know, apocryphal or straight up truth, uh, you know, ideas of what the relationships were like between the main, the principal uh, right. actors on the, uh, you know, on the show. But the thing about being on a show like that is, even if you hate someone else, you're a professional, and when you're on set, it is fun, and all that like, you know personal animosity you have between each other just goes away because you're on set there's that you can't bring it to the set so i'm i'm certain the gag reels for the original series would have been exactly the same <laughs> so chuck this is your second full episode as the bones that's um, correct the first two mccoy was played by our good friend dr trek himself larry Lem larry nemechek um, the third. What I call the I, I call him the bones in my brain, which sounds a little <laughs> sexual, and I kind of like that. Um, I can't wait to I can't wait to ask him about that. Yeah, um, no, because if I ever have any bones questions, he's always right there at the um, speed dial, so that I can be like, mm, I've got this question about bones, and he can tell me all the sort of super details that I would never have time to research. So it's great to have like an encyclopedia of Trek at my, you know, beck and call for any, like, you know, specific questions I might want to ask. Yeah. And so this is the first full script where you get to grow this character as an actor. Are you pleased with where McCoy has gone in this episode and what facets might you like to see examined more? Um, I am pleased. Uh, I am pleased because the fandom is pleased, and that is the most important thing to me. I'm I'm personally pleased, and as an actor, it's it's a little bit of a challenge because we're not quite um, we're not imitating the characters. Right. We're not recreating our own versions of them. We're trying to carry the faithful interpretation and, and what it comes down to is, is sort of interpreting and slowly maybe drifting towards the sensibilities they had more in the movies. But uh, like the acting style 
that was prevalent when Star Trek was filmed. You know, uh, the method had just become, you know, the sort of, you know, emotional, nuanced, quirky acting was just starting to filter its way onto television. It, it had already sort of landed in movies. Um, but uh, you can see in the character of Captain Kirk that new sort of method acting. And, and the other actors started, as the series went along, started to, to you know, go with him. But the, um, the, the sort of real challenge is to make sure you're keeping faithful to uh, almost the time period of the acting. Um, and then, uh, like I've said before, the, the idea of Bones, I watched, I rewatched all, uh, you know, I rewatched all the episodes and especially took time with the episodes that were Bones heavy. And, um, like, I, you know, kind of would play along with the lines and see what it felt like to say them exactly like D. Kelly. And then I let it go. And the, the fun part was to feel him sort of just emerge on set. There, were, um, there was one time I had left set and I couldn't be there or I had to go back home and, and they had one more day of filming and then they were kind of having a, a rap party where Vic, Vic always busts out the cigars and everybody's smoking cigars and Vic texted me that um, uh, people were talking about it was eerie because uh, there were times on set where it felt like D. Kelly had entered my body. And to me, that's the highest compliment. If I can feel like like I can live within that skin of Bones and pay homage to DeForest and 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 um, you know portray him the way he portrayed him, but with my own you know subtle nuances that'll be different, then that to me is the the highest goal that I can reach. Uh, but as far as where the character is going to go, I uh, uh, you know there's a there's a limited scope. But mm-hmm. one of the things I always talk to about Vic, uh, talk to Vic about, is that we have opportunities to show things in this universe that have never been shown before. So if there's ways to clarify what happens in the movies, or if there's ways to land at where they landed uh, right before the first movie, like there's going to be a lot of opportunity for for some really interesting, different stuff. Because you know, when they start the movie, they don't really you know, they don't explain how Kurt got to a desk job. And, you know, like, they, they don't show that journey, the journeys that brought everybody to where they were. So that's like this giant wide-open palette that we get to explore, which means we may, we may get to take these characters in radically amazing directions and then see them coalesce back together in the first film. Um, which, you know, like, where we land them at the end of this series will like the highest hope I could have is that where we land them at the end of this series will make people want to watch the movie again mm-hmm. to have new insights into the, the, the sort of interpersonal relationships that happened during the movie. Right. Hey Chuck, I'm, I'm really glad that you brought up, actually my whole next question was pretty much just answered uh, by you a moment ago when you're and how you decided to portray uh, McCoy based on, watching uh, DeForest Kelly. As we're recording this today, uh, I just want to let the, the listeners know, today's June 11th, 2015, and it's kind of ironic because DeForest passed away 16 years ago today. And, yeah, now, we're, kind of... and now we're speaking with you on the role that he created and made um, such an icon on the show. Um, I think it's a real tribute um, that you are carrying on that character. You're making it your own, um, and you are you used 
what he did to help you with that character creation? What what he say that one more time? I I, I just kind of lost the thread of it. Oh, that's great. It's just it's just. Um, uh, I mean, I have a feeling I should just say thank you. But... <laughs> <laughs> no, that'll work. It's just it's good to see okay. that you're keeping the character in. Uh, you're making it your own, yet at the same time, you're keeping those core McCoy parts to the character, and it and it yeah. shows really well on screen. Thank you, thank you. That is that is. Uh, uh, you know, it, it it it's hard not to with Vic on set because Vic, uh, he's he's a very strong leader. He's an incredible executive producer. He's a. a, a, a very adept director, especially being a director at times of himself. So, uh, like, you cannot disrespect the eight-year-old boy that's dressed up as Kirk in those, you know, yep. uh, eight-millimeter films that he took. You know, like, we're, 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 you know, having to carry forward this lifelong dream of this little boy and so to, to do anything, like we have to bring our full game as actors and then also bring our full game as uh, uh, people who respect the Star Trek universe. Because I personally think, I think we're, we're with the way the internet is working towards uh, the little person's advantage and the way it's connecting all people with things like Etsy and eBay and Uber and Airbnb and Kickstarter and Indiegogo, like it is almost like it's the seeds of the Star Trek economy. You know, like I think we are experiencing the seeds of the future economy where all people get to pursue their highest good um, without having to fall victim to servitude to other countries or servitude to, uh, you know, other corporate interests. And, and to me, that's the highest goal of uh, or that's the highest good that's shown in Star Trek is that uh, that universe is a place where people can um, decide what their inner purpose is and follow it completely. And I, I believe that right now we're experiencing that. And, and the more I go to different conventions and see that, um, you know, people are making niche careers or niche um, economies or, you know, you can make a podcast and get people to listen to it and then it generates income somehow or it just generates passion and then generates more connections. And, you know, like there, the Internet allows us to be the foundation for that Star Trek economy that everybody thinks is so awesome because you don't have to go uh, chained to a cubicle and hate your job anymore. I mean, I think that's the the hope that Star Trek gives to all people is that you there is a future where the stars are limitless and the alien races are out there and the exploration is limitless and also you you get to pursue your highest good. That is what the society around you will expect you to do. And once we become that society, I think that's when the aliens will be like, oh, okay, they got it right. And then they'll all applaud and come down and we'll be like, first contact. Yay. <laughs> Here's we'll, a we'll, – oh, go ahead, Dan. Go ahead, Bill. Oh, <laughs> we'll, all, we'll all be that way until the whole idea of gold press latinum ends up coming about. And then we'll all be back to that again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> 
that's just on the fringes. That's just on the colonies. I mean, the colonies are always going to be the colonies, but you know, if you're going to develop economies out in the edges of space, you just got to do that. That's just what has to happen. (laughs) So it it certainly looks like uh, Dr. McCoy is in very good hands with you, Chuck. Um, So the one question that the one last question that Bill and I have uh, for you is in addition to portraying Dr. McCoy, what's next for Chuck Huber? What do you got going on? Um, well, I am releasing online uh, my first feature film. There's going to be an article in the Fort Worth paper here, a local paper, uh, about my feature film. And it actually stars Vic Mignogna and uh, Michelle Specht and uh, some other actors, Brina Palencia, Jonathan Brooks, Jakey Cabe. And it's a musical, and it's a comedy, and it's funny, and it's sad, and it's poignant. So I'm, I'm shepherding that to different... Uh, festivals and promoting that. I have an anime uh, that I'm a producer writer on called Prince Adventures, which just got a a very solid deal with a uh, financing distribution group. So I'm going to be writing and producing on that. And um, I uh, just finished a book Uh, which is going to be released on June 17th called Dreams of the Invisible Girl with my fiancé as the illustrator and I'm the writer and it's sort of a, uh, a, uh, uh, it's a creative writing book. It's story starters. So there's little, you know, her images and my little story starting and it's for, you know, teachers to get kids to write creatively. And I've always been very into education and educational, uh, causes so this is that's one that's close to my heart it's with hound comics um you know, part of the great thing about having a sort of superstar artist girlfriend is she's connected to all these really awesome uh, comic book houses and so that that makes me feel like i'm cooler <laughs> <laughs> we will be uh, more than happy to put all of the links for all of those projects up uh, on our page when we release the podcast so that uh, any of the listeners want to get more information check out the movie check out the book they'll be able to just click on those and uh, and be uh, taken right to them. Thank you, guys. You're awesome. Well, uh, Chuck, we really appreciate you coming on. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, his name is Chuck Huber. You know him as Dr. Leonard McCoy on Star Trek Continues, and we look forward to seeing many more adventures with you, sir. Absolutely. I can't wait for him. Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to listeners of the Trek Geeks podcast so you can check out their service. You can select your free audiobook from over 150,000 titles in Audible's library. And if you're interested in Star Trek titles, you might even check out one of these currently available on Audible.com. Imzadi, Spectre, The Return, Sarek, and my favorite, The Eugenics Wars, The Rise and Fall of Khan Noonien Singh. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash trekgeeks for your free audiobook. And we would like to thank audible.com for sponsoring our episode. And Dan, we'd really like to thank Chuck for making time and his busy schedule to uh, to talk to us this week. I don't think I had any idea that he was hilarious as he is, and I can only imagine what the set must be like in between takes with Chuck Huber on it. 
Agreed. Yeah, um, I agree. He was he was hilarious, and and I knew that he from watching some uh, interviews that I've seen uh, before we had him on. I knew that he had a uh, a a funny bone, so to speak. But he was he was we were I had muted out several times because I was laughing so hard, and I didn't want to um, you know drown him out from my laughing. He was he was great, and those those small outtakes that we've seen of him. As he alluded to, there's probably a lot more that I just love to be a fly on the wall in between takes to see what's going on with that guy. Absolutely. And I, uh, we can both attest to the fact that Chuck is as humorous on the recording as he was off the recording. He had mm-hmm. us in stitches after we were done and, and wrapping up and just you know talking about things in general. Um, I look forward to hopefully having him on again sometime. It was a real blast. Yeah, it was. It was really good. And like I said in the interview, I think Dr. McCoy is in great hands. Um, it, you don't have to have a superstar person taking over, not taking over, but but being the an on a character like Dr. McCoy. I'll be honest, before Star Trek continues, because I don't know a lot about anime, which we also talked about, I didn't know much of anything about Chuck Huber. But seeing what he's done so far... I think it's. I think the character is in good hands. He's he's doing a good job at it. I agree. And now we'd like to do something just a little bit different to to sort of round out and and close out our discussion of the White Iris over the last two episodes. We have received some listener feedback. Um, most of it was overwhelmingly positive. We thank everybody for the comments that they've sent us, um, and certainly we appreciate all feedback, even the feedback that doesn't agree with us. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to take a moment to just read one in particular of the the two notable ones we had um, so that you and I can talk about it a little bit. Absolutely. We got this message on our Facebook page. It's from Lisa Thompson. Hi guys. I enjoyed the podcast and you're doing a great job, but I do wish this one had been been a bit more of an actual in-depth critique of the Star Trek continues episode and a little less fanboy gushing. There's nothing wrong with respectful, constructive criticism. The Star Trek Continues guys can take it, but your fear of offending them with even the slightest criticism regarding flawed story points, logic, or continuity in an otherwise beautifully produced episode came through loud and clear. The result was a less than full and honest review of the episode, which I found a little disappointing. You just had John Champion on. Mission Log is an excellent example of how to look at something with a critical eye and acknowledge that this thing we all love is not always perfect, even when the network or studio professionals are doing it. Just my humble opinion, live long and prosper. Um, I genuinely appreciate the feedback that Lisa sent, um, even though I have to say I disagree completely. Um, I can certainly add my my thoughts at length, but Dan, what are your initial reactions to to Lisa's feedback? I I have to I, I do thank Lisa for her opinion. I like getting the opinion from everyone, whether it is something that is in agreement with us or something that is in disagreement with us. But I do have to say that I follow your uh, your disagreeing with the comments because you and I had several discussions before we actually uh, recorded that podcast of the issues that we had with the episode that weren't positive one of them being the very large continuity error of the time frame of the USS Farragut um vampire cloud creature um we brought it up um we brought it up more than once actually we brought it up in the episode and then we brought it up in the outtakes as kind of a, a humorous point right um and the continuity continuity ones are ones that get under my skin a little bit but it was something that we brought up and talked about and True to Star Trek continues, 
um, attention to detail, they've already fixed it. They've already gone back into the episode and made the corrections. So they are on top of the game as well. Things get through, thing, mistakes happen. This was one, and we did bring it up. We did discuss it. We discussed a lot of things that we felt were not negatives of the show, but we did it in a way that was humorous. And I don't think in any way, shape, or form that's saying that we're scared to piss off the guys that Star Trek continues. I think that's the way that we do things. I, I agree with that. I also disagree with the notion that there was fanboy gushing. I mean, we're fans, first and foremost, and we're allowed to be fans. Um, we were both excited to see the episode. And honestly, if it hadn't been great, we would have said it wasn't our favorite. We didn't like it. But the truth is and I won't speak for you in this case, I did like it and I liked it very much. I thought it was an outstanding story. I thought it was great growth of several characters, but more importantly, our critique was in depth. Um, it wasn't just, oh my God, this is so great. Oh, they look so awesome. We talked about everything from Roddenberry's secular humanism and how you know, this particular Star Trek Continues episode contradicted that to some degree, to the continuity error, to various other things about the character development, particularly with Kirk and especially with Kirk and Bones. Um, I have no fear of offending anybody at Star Trek Continues since we said in the episode, particularly we were going to contact them about the continuity error in particular. Um, additionally, there have been many reviews that other people have done of this Star Trek Continues episode online that were nowhere near the level of examination that you and I did here on the Trek Geeks podcast. That's not saying we did the best examination, but hands down, I would stack up the points that we brought up on this episode in comparison to anybody, because I felt that we treated it with respect and I felt that we treated it, you know, as a, as analyzing a, a scripted drama that happens to be Star Trek in a way that you and I would do it. Yeah, I agree. Um, you brought up the point of us. We were going to contact Vic uh, and the team at Star Trek continues about the continuity error. I think personally that that is something that they would like people to do. If there are things that slip through because yeah. nobody's perfect and we're not pretending that anybody's perfect, they are fans just as much as we are. And as a matter of fact, could they possibly even be bigger fans? I'm not going to go and rate fandom, but they're doing this not because – they have to. They're doing it because they love Star Trek. Right. So they're doing it on a level higher than what we do. We do a podcast. They're making episodes, and they're making damn good episodes. I'm not going to say that I didn't love White Iris because I, I loved it. I thought that it was a good dramatic episode. It wasn't all phasers and, and special effects. You don't have to have that to have a good episode. But back to my point, I think they would have appreciated, and somebody probably did before we did, contacting them and say, hey, guys – there's a mistake here. We need to, is there any way that you can fix it? They're fans as well. And I would think that they would not be offended if people point these things out to them. You know, we admitted, you know, that there were things in the episode during the recap that were kind of, uh, I don't want to say sketchy, but there were things that kind of made us scratch our heads a little bit, but we, we, we did it in a, in a very humorous way. Things like the backup console, the password, mm -hmm. Yep. Um, things along those nature, but ultimately that didn't detract from the story of Kirk going through this problem. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, there were things that 
that probably could have been changed or perhaps written a little differently. Um, but at the end of the day, it didn't affect my enjoyment of the episode. Um, you know, as, as, as two people who work in IT, we understand that sometimes these things happen. You know, if I see technology depicted in, in the movies or on television, I always have to take it with a sense of suspending my disbelief because it's never the way technology mm -hmm. really is. Right. Um, and so I, I looked at it that way. I didn't view it as a massive problem. Um, the other thing, too, is that, you know, we are not mission log, nor would we ever try to be. John and Ken do what they do extremely well. And this deconstruction of the episode was not designed in any way to be like theirs because that's just not what we do. They are uniquely suited to do their kind of show. And there's a reason why they're the most popular Star Trek podcast out there. Um, our podcast, in my opinion, is about our love of Trek through our friendship, first and foremost. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we're fans. We're allowed to be excited about things because we're fans. We're not journalists. We're not trying to approach this with a journalistic eye. Um, and we're not necessarily attempting to be impartial, but we're also not being fanboys on purpose. And I, I would like to think that comes through 99% of the time, even when yeah. we are excited about things, quite honestly. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think <clears throat> one of the things that I don't know if tweak is the right word, but tweaks me about some of the comments <clears throat> about us being fanboys and gushing. I, I disagree with that completely. I admit, and I said on the show, when I'm having a fanboy moment, that's, that's separate and it's encased in its own little section of the podcast. You will find that when we talk about things that I disagree with with episodes, I'm going to come right out and say it sucked. And I think that maybe will be the proof of we're not always going to be the the two people who do a podcast that are going to always skate that line of not trying to piss off somebody involved in the show. Like I could point up, I could point off the top of my head, 10 or 15 things from Voyager that drive me absolutely crazy, but I'm not going to say it in a nice way or, or, or not want to say something that would piss off somebody who might be a guest on the show later. So we do things a certain way. And like you said, the most important thing is that we do it because we're such good friends and we love this thing so much together. And our friendship has built on the foundation of this show. And we don't want to be copying any other podcast. Like you said, we would never, we could never even come close to doing what they do over there. Um, I guess, I guess maybe the similarity that they're trying to put together is that we decided to do a breakdown of each and every scene of the show. Is that possibly why the comparison is being made? I don't know. I will say, it's quite possible that we're going to do this again on episode five of Star Trek Continues. It's the only Trek out there right now that we can do that with. And if we decide to do it again, I'm all for it. I think it was a great thing to do. We'll do it with Axanar. We'll do it with Renegades when that comes out. We'll do yeah. it when the next episode of Star Trek New Voyages comes out. Um, you know, because it's Star Trek and it's out there. And those are some of the leading independently produced series. You know, for me, the big takeaway is Star Trek is never perfect in any of its incarnations. And perhaps the original series is the worst offender at times because True. it never refers back to its own continuity. Take something like the uh, the cloaking device. You know, the right? Romulans oh, yeah. have one in Balance of Terror and oh, my God. And then they forget about it by the time the Enterprise incident comes around. And oh, right. my God, the Romulans have a, a cloaking device. We have to get it. Yeah. Um 
there are plenty of plot holes and inconsistencies and we could catalog every single one, but that's not worth anyone's time, including ours and especially yours, the listener. Um, for us, The White Iris is a wonderful episode that tells a tale that respects Star Trek and grows the characters and is good drama for whatever inconsistencies that other people want to see in it or whatever things that we saw in it that made us go, eh, okay, I can live with that. Um, ultimately, you know, we liked it and other people didn't and that's okay. You know, Here's there's nothing wrong with agreeing to disagree. I would like to say about it, if I, if I could. Um, we have received feedback also that some people have thought that Star Trek Continues is living off, quote-unquote, past episodes of the original series. I'll agree to that to a point with um, the first episode with Apollo, even though it was a completely new episode, but just had to have that, just happened to have that character in it. Um, and fairest of them all, played on the Mirror Universe, but it was a completely separate episode because it took place after the events of Mirror Mirror itself. It was completely different. I don't agree at all with anyone who says that this episode is feeding off any past episode. Just because there are these, what I like to call spectral women and women in this episode, I did not take that in any way, shape, or form of feeding off of Paradise Syndrome or City on the Edge of Forever or Requiem for Methuselah. I thought it was a completely separate Star Trek story that was highly dramatic and extremely powerful and was, as Vic and the crew like to say, so Star Trek. I think there's a big difference between using characters that have appeared in another episode and continuing another episode. Ferris of the Mall was quite clearly a part two and a continuation of Mirror Mirror. Um, Pilgrim of Eternity was quite clearly a a continuation of the story of Apollo and not necessarily a part two because it was a different story altogether. Fairest to them all continued the same story from the mirror universe perspective. This was a completely different situation with a completely different set of different set of circumstances. Pardon me. that just happened to use characters that appeared in other original series episodes. And to me, that's not a part two. So I think we've we've probably said as much as we can say about this. Um, again, I truly appreciate the feedback, and you know neither Dan nor I are upset about this. No, um, not at all. Uh, we're happy to have the opportunity to clarify. Um, and at any point, if if anyone disagrees or you know wants to provide constructive criticism, you know the, the same avenues are out there with which to provide it to us, and you, people can do so at any time. We're happy to hear it. So. This uh, brings to a close episode 18 of the Trek Geeks podcast. Um, next week, we're going to look forward to having Alec Peters, as we stated before. Um, Dan, if you'd be so kind as to let the folks at home know how they can get in touch with us. Yep, absolutely. And like we said, if it's, if it's, uh, if it's comments that are differing in what we have, have said and you want to let us know, please let please know that we like getting that information. We like getting that feedback. It helps us. Uh, give you better shows. But if you want to do send us that information, you can do so uh, different ways on Twitter, Facebook, and Skype. Our handle is Trek Geeks. Uh, you can send us an email at trekgeeks at starfleet.com, or you can leave us a voicemail at 508-784-1701. Uh, individually, if you want to send Bill a, a tweet, you can send it to at trekgeekbill. 
And if you want to send something to me, my handle is at DCDDS9. And just remember, as always, as like with today, any comments or messages uh, you leave, uh, we'll be using future episodes. We like to share what you are sharing with us. We like to share it with everyone else. So please, uh, please keep those comments and messages coming, folks. And again, thank you to, to Lisa and thank you to Mike, who also commented on that same post on our Facebook page. Again, we truly appreciate the comments. Um, we also want to take an opportunity to thank the guys at Five Year Mission. They have recently completed their Kickstarter, which means that we're all going to be getting Spock's brain pretty soon, and I'm very excited about that. Boom! <laughs> it was great to see them clear all of their uh, different levels, as well as their final level of, like, the cost of shipping and putting together so they got everything they needed plus so that was that was fantastic to see the response has been great if you get a chance go to fiveyearmission.net and check them out you can keep an eye for when Spock's brain drops but you can also see their year one two and three albums as well as their trouble with tribbles uh, album all at their website um, make it so so with that we look forward to talking to you all next time and until then live long and prosper coconut That's better. Is that better? That's better. I had a Windows Hi. update, apparently. Oh, 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 oh. I see. So how are you? Neither does my face. <laughs> Doesn't really? take long. <laughs> yes, I, I know. <laughs> Thank you. I, I, yes, I sent it. I, I, it's not focused. <laughs> yeah, neither's your face. <laughs> Okay. All right. Thanks, okay. brother. Thanks. Okay, brother. Moogie. Moogie. <laughs> Moogie. Moogie, 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 Moogie. Moogie, Moogie. Moogie. I want to go home. <laughs> wow, really? <laughs> All right. So how are you doing? I'm uh, I'm fantastic. How are you? I'm good. Had acupuncture already... today. I feel good. Nice, nice. You got you already recording for outtake stuff. Why would you ask me that? What I know you're of, always you're always recording. What kind of amateur do you think I am? Uh, you're not an amateur. You are a professional at every every street corner from here to Desire. What? <clears throat> what? S- street corner named as street car named Desire. Ah, little. <laughs> <laughs> What a an... street corner named Desire. Hi. <laughs> Is that in Las Vegas? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so I do have to say, and I don't, I'm not going to name names because we don't want to put anybody on the spot, but dude, people are calling us to ask if we're going to be at conventions now. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I got that text. I'm in Lowe's, and, and we get the text from the Star Trek person. Hey, you're going to be, and, and I'm looking at Sue, and I'm like, we're having cast members ask us if we're going to be at conventions now because they want to hang. <laughs> it, it's it, all you, man. It's because you 
are cool. Why why are you blowing smoke up my ass right now? I mean, you're the vice president of guest relations and marketing. <laughs> well, you know, you know they you know they start hearing you know the the silk bass voice of you and I and and uh, I guess they just can't stand it anymore. I'm sorry, the what? The bass silk voices of you and I. You see, first you said silk bass, and then you silk said bass? bass silk. Bass silk. Silic? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the Sulaban. They're kind of grossy looking. They're like that. You know what they remind me of? The Silic? The Sulaban, rather? <laughs> silic the Sulaban? That <laughs> sounds like a kid's you... book. <laughs> Dr. Seuss's Silic the Sulaban. Silic the Sulaban <laughs> with Hop on Pop. <laughs> if you're down in like uh, Okefenokee Swamp or somewhere down south and you get those swampy grossness and it's that layer of green that's on top of the water, mm. that's what the Sulaban remind me of. Uh, wow. Look, it's time for dinner. <laughs> I don't know. Just, that just so popped into saying, my head. You're saying the Sulaban look like snot. They do. Flag them, they do. perhaps. Flegjum? Flegjum? Yeah, Flegjum. Yes. I would say, yeah, they, they do. They do look like that. Interesting. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, we could sit here and describe different things that they remind me of, but it's it's really kind of gross. They remind me of your face. I Bill. was just going to say, they remind me of your <laughs> face. Boom! He beats him to it. Uh. That's one for Dan. <laughs> Down goes Frasia. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm going to start tapping my ring like Frank Underwood, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that won't be annoying at all for people listening to the podcast. <laughs> kind of like when you start whistling and blow my eardrums out. <laughs> all right, let's get started. <laughs> really? No. No. That's such a good show. It. You haven't started season three of House of Cards. I started, yet, the, I'm like 25 minutes into the first episode of season three. Okay. Yeah. So. What yeah. did you think of how he became um, president? Oh, it's perfect. It's perfect undermining politics, which is what I'm sure happens down there all the time in real life. I mean, they are so cutthroat. Um, yeah. I can't see, you know, Biden doesn't have the balls to do what, what Underwood did. So that would never happen now. But, um, it's it's amazing. You, you watch what happens and all of the all of the chess moves that go on in every episode, and I'm sure it's like that for real. Oh, I'm I'm sure it is too, to a large degree. Yeah, good show, good show. Okay, okay, good. All right, okay. I don't have any impersonations lined up for us today. Really? Nah, no, I don't know. I mean, ugh. I we could do the intro wrapper for for our guest today is like Guy Fieri, if you want. We, we have to be careful on how many times we go to the well with Fieri because yeah. I don't want to burn him out. No, I don't either. I mean, because no, he's a hard walk. Like- he's a hard working douche. I mean, <laughs> he's got the, the diner show. He's got the grocery yep. game show. Yep. All right. So yep. here's the thing. Okay. He's got one show called Triple D. Yep. He's got another one called Triple G. Really? Guys grocery games. Oh, guys, yes, yes, yes. Yep. I, this guy's running out of, is going to run out of consonants at some point. That yeah, 
That means that he's going to have to have 24 more shows, though, Bill. Do you want to have 24 more shows with Guy Fieri? I don't want to have the two he's got now, <laughs> and they're on Food Network all the damn time. Yeah, pretty soon he's going to be like, yeah, we're up here on Triple Z! And we're going to be like, oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Zebra, Zeitgeist, and Zulus coming at you. <laughs> I just uh, picked three things that started with Z. Yeah, that's, that's going to be a fun show. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Triple X is go- Oh, wait a minute. No. no. <laughs> Moving along. <laughs> that's that's Vin Diesel. That, that... <laughs> yep. Have you ever right. have you ever seen his breakdancing videos from the 80s? Who, Vin? Yeah. No, I have not. Okay, so in the 80s, Vin Diesel under his real name um, which I think I, I could be wrong about this, so don't quote me. I think is Mark Vincent. Okay. Um, did a series of breakdancing instructional videos for for home VHS, and they are all over YouTube. All wow. you have to do is Google my, my, Vin Diesel breakdancing video. Mark Sinclair, by the way. Oh, so close. Yeah, so close. very close. I'll give you credit for that. I don't know Unlike why that you with that. Stump the Geep, Geek. I'll give you half points when Stump, you're half right. Stump the Geep. <laughs> Spook. Spook. Help me, Spook. Help me, Spook. That reminds me of something. I wanted to do something in that frame. I have to remember what it was, but it was the help me. It was the help me Spock and help me Kirk lines, but mixing it in somehow with Trek geeks. I forget what it was. Now, Carlick Lincoln. Help me, geeks. Help me, geeks. <laughs> that sounded like Lincoln as portrayed by Rom. <laughs> help me, Moogie. <laughs> uh, help me, geeks. <laughs> God. Wow. All right, let's do this. All right, I got the thing right up here. Chuck Huber. Huber, let me close my window because we got traffic. Sorry. Really an unnecessary close up of your goatee. <laughs> Any birds in there? <laughs> like Peter Griffin. You know what really grinds my gears? <laughs> Have you been playing that at all? Um, I log it every now and then. Since the truck stuff is gone, not really. They got a new one. Got, they got the Godfather now. Yeah. I'm, dude, I, I am so addicted to that game. Every morning, the first thing I do before I get in the shower is. Make sure I'm all lined up for the day so that at lunch I can check again. And then when I get home from work, I can do it again. <laughs> I'd love it. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, jeez. I can't wait till Star Trek Timelines comes out. We're going to lose you forever. <laughs> That's going to be good. You'll be, you know, <sighs> we've lost him to Bangkok now. <laughs> all right. Let's do this. All right. 